You are listening to Sephora University Podcasts. Today's episode is about virtual fatigue. With me in the studio is Rebecca Hefter. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Diana. So today we're going to talk about virtual fatigue and especially what is happening over the last six months. Because during these last six months, we have been very intensely on Zoom meetings, Teams, on Skype, you name it. So before we talk about the actual topic today, I would like to first acknowledge that our Sephora University teams around the EME region have adapted very quickly and efficiently to working virtually. Now, I was thinking, what are some of the best practices that you came across that are helping teams work virtually successfully? First, I just want to agree with you, Diana. The teams around the world are doing so much to try to embrace working virtually. They've been great about it. And they are making the best of the situation. A few of the virtual best practices that we hear a lot about is trying to keep the meeting or the training agenda limited, asking a lot of questions to avoid lecture or sounding like it's a monologue, and also just encouraging people to use the chat function. People love the chat function. Yes, I agree. And we have great success with the chat function. It's a marvelous way to involve more people. You're absolutely right. And the chatting can feel more comfortable, especially for people who don't want to unmute to talk, but they still want to contribute. Exactly. So what is the term virtual fatigue? Generally, virtual fatigue is defined as not feeling engaged when you're communicating virtually, even if you're communicating with your team or people that you know. It can include different feelings for different people. For some people, it's simply feeling tired because of joining more meetings than you've maybe ever been on before. For some people, they are really missing being face-to-face with their teams. And other people say that virtual fatigue makes them feel drained at the end of the day because they've been on camera multiple times in a day. For some people, Virtual fatigue just means they become very silent. And you've put a smile on my face there, Rebecca, because doesn't everyone have a little virtual fatigue from time to time? I mean, personally, I remember last week I had one day being in Zooms back to back all day, even without the 15 minutes in between that we normally allow our people. At around four o'clock in the afternoon, my only wish was just to put my mic on mute and my camera covered because I needed that space for myself, basically. For me, I love to be face-to-face with people. And I do enjoy being with people virtually, but I've really learned that I am happy being completely, fully engaged with people for 10 or 12 hours in a day, again, if I'm face-to-face. But for me, if I'm virtual, I can start to feel my engagement drop off after about six hours and I have to have a break. I have to stand up. I have to stretch. I have to have a coffee. I just don't have the same stamina for virtual that I do for face-to-face. Exactly. And something pragmatic. I mean, that's what we do at Sephora University. 
is we do give our people a virtual, an official break, so to speak. So when our webinars go on longer than 60 minutes, 90 minutes, we try really to keep it maximum to 90 minutes. We would give them in the middle a break, an official one, and say, right, we're going to now shut down our cameras, put our mic on mute, and take five minutes or seven minutes, get yourself a coffee or a tea, and we'll see you back. And that in itself feels the right thing to do very often. Very respectful of your team's energy. Now, what else can we do to make our virtual meetings more engaging? We've learned a lot just in the last few months. Here's one example. The Harvard Business Review did a study that they reported this summer. And when I say this summer, I mean 2020. And they studied Zoom meetings and virtual meetings for Europe, the Middle East, and North America. And a key finding for them was that the virtual meetings need to be shorter in order to be more effective. And shorter means we can reduce the 60-minute meeting to 45 minutes. If possible, reduce the 30-minute meeting to 25 minutes. Just that shutting or cutting of the time makes the meeting perceived as more effective. Exactly. And that sounds better to me already. What else, Rebecca? Well, make your time more productive, which means don't waste time with too much small talk at the start of a meeting. If people join early, they're free to have small talk. Once you reach the start time for the meeting, start. Okay. Now, as trainers, usually we're good at small talk. So would you say that people don't like the small talk? Some people do. But what we're finding is that now that people are on so many Zoom calls, the small talk just isn't as much fun as it once was. So what else can we do? For those having technical problems, have someone that the people calling in can either call or text to fix these problems. This role is usually called a producer, and having a producer is considered a best practice, especially for large virtual calls where you have more than 20 people. Yes, I totally agree. And we have a producer in our team and it works marvelous. And basically what happens when we have over 20, 25 people is she would do everything that is needed in the back office. So she makes sure that everything is run smoothly behind the scenes, breakout rooms, people, um, as you said, having difficulties connecting to us technically and whatever have you. And it makes such a difference for us as presenters because we can focus on the content and our audience. And here's another idea for reducing virtual fatigue. This is actually one of my favorite suggestions. Give yourself permission to just use the Zoom functions that are the most interesting for the most people or the most interesting to your team. For example, the chat function is really popular. Breakout groups are considered very engaging and very productive. Sharing your screen works really, really well. Or taking turns sharing screens works even better. Having said that, not every Zoom function is that popular. The reaction buttons, for example, not that popular with people. Polling used a little bit does work, but if you overdo it, some people are already really tired of the polling. Okay. 
What about playing videos? Because that's something that we like doing in training. Sure. If the video is one or two minutes, it will probably work very well. If your video is longer than two minutes, I'd recommend consider using that video just as pre-work, but don't play it during the actual meeting. Right. That makes sense. The videos that we've used with our audience and the ones that have been most successful are the ones that take uh, the Instagram format. So under one minute, let's say 50 seconds, 55 seconds, and also the ones where we feature team members or, or the teams or they like to learn from peers or they feature some really good storytelling of some of the brands that we're working with if that is the topic that we train. But you're right, short and sparkly. Another suggestion related to video. We usually ask people to join Zoom with video and audio. But some people who are on so many Zoom calls each and every day, they're just a little tired of being on Zoom all the time. We can offer people a chance or a choice to join with or without video. That's an option. And another option is to announce which sections of your training needs everyone to be on video and then which sections are video optional. That's a really good tip. This is something which we haven't done and definitely something we can start to do of optionally or, or making sure that we tell people which sections they don't want to miss to be on video and which sections they can give themselves a break, so to speak. Anything else we can do? Just two more suggestions. One is simple. Just think about ways to look right at the camera or right at the little video images that you see of each person. Mm -hmm. Avoid looking around or looking down because the more engaged you look, the more engaged people will be. The second suggestion is a little bit more involved. When you notice someone on your team seems a little disconnected, or maybe they've been more quiet than you usually see them, reach out to this person after the meeting with a phone call or an email and just check in with them. You can ask how they're doing. You can see how they're feeling. It does take just a little bit more time, but this personal connection means so much to people if they're experiencing virtual fatigue. Yes. And at the end of the day, it is all about creating that connection and keep the teams working closely together, include the emotional part of the connection, not just rationally or not just technically for them being part of the meeting. So if we would recap this chat about virtual fatigue with you, Rebecca, I think there are three key messages for our audience to remember. The first one is to keep our Zoom, Teams, Skype meetings, etc as short as possible. The second tip I remember is to be aware of virtual fatigue and finding pragmatic solutions. And the third key message, it is important for the facilitator to add variety, but with limits. So don't try to use every function on Teams, but use the ones that are useful for your meeting and that add something to the party. Thank you very much, Rebecca, for our chat today on Sephora University podcast. Thank you, Diana. And we will be speaking very soon and continuing our journey together.